This episode is brought to you in part by TSMA Consulting, the entertainment industry's leading social media firm. You've heard on the podcast from the top people in entertainment how vital a well-curated social media presence can be for your career. Dropping Character is proud to be partnering with TSMA Consulting, a globally recognized social media firm that can help you make sure your social media represents the quality of your work. I've worked with them personally, and man, did I learn a lot. If you do sign up, make sure you tell them Robbie sent you. All right, let's get on with the show. This is Robbie Ramos, and you're listening to Dropping Character. Man, I don't drop character till I've done the DVD commentary. I got a call from my manager while we were filming the last season of Arrow, maybe on the second or third episode. And um, he just said, you know, Michael Waldron wrote this script. Uh, this project's been around for a little bit. It got into the fact that it was Jeff Hirsch at Stars' first, like one of his first major things that he greenlit, mm -hmm. which spoke to me for a specific reason. But at the same time, I was like, what is it? He said, it's a television show. And I said, well, no, <laughs> no. And he said, no, Stephen, you gotta, you're going to get an offer on this. You need to give this, uh, you need to give this a read and pay attention. And I was, I was in 15 pages into the first episode. Right. Yeah. And when they when they come to you because this is a completely different thing than i'm used to mm -hmm. right me uh me too yeah yeah this is the first first time that i've gotten an offer of of some significance um, i've been offered a, a few things before but this was just like seismically different yeah yeah what was it about jack that that you connected with you know my grandfather's name jack huh and my dad's named Tom, and in the show oh, were shit. yeah, really. And I immediately reacted to the way that he uh, goes and you know wants to give a big Jim and Atta boy after their match, right? So just mm -hmm. the moment that he walks in behind the curtain, and all of a sudden he's focused on taking care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. That spoke to me. And then at the end of the first episode, when he pulls the screw job and does the double cross on Ace, I love when I love characters that fuck up. I mean, that's it's bad. What he did was bad. And um, he knew exactly what he was doing. And that, you know, that to me, there's more layers and more it's it's a much more three-dimensional character when he screws up so badly right and if you haven't if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the show i assume this will come out after the premiere but mm -hmm. uh basically jack goes off script and almost breaks his brother's arm and yeah it's not good is your pop still around yeah yeah my dad lives out in edmonton Do you know edmonton yeah yeah okay and then you know, I, so I've seen the first two episodes. That's, That's it? I've Just seen, the dude. Okay. All, all right. right. But from seeing those two, and then obviously, you know, the table reads and everything. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things about Jack, dude, that, that 
caught me specifically was that he is and it seems like a tug of war between his career Mm -hmm. right his passion and then his family life Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um that's something i instantly connected to you know um and us as actors a lot of times we're off shooting shit you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i was just wondering if that's something that that you played with is that is that even something that you do as an actor do you take from your real life and kind of uh uh infuse it into the character or do you try and keep that separate i don't typically do that um certainly not in a negative in a negative way right i would never i would never picture my wife or daughter in in peril in order to elicit some some type of some type of emotion um now that being said in a positive way um the way that i'm able to interact with roxton who plays my son on the show the way that i'm able to interact with him that's really colored by the way that i interact with my kiddo or the way that allison and i are i i think about what you know what do my wife and i do you know, in our relationship, which is why Allison and I went out for a nice long walk and decided that the two of us would have to have a nickname for each other, like as you do. I'm sure you and your wife call each other. Like I call my wife Kiddo, and um, you know my my most beauty, <laughs> just weird shit. You know, yeah. I call my daughter Goober and Scoober and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so I'll take I'll take positive stuff, but. For Jack and and for me in particular, I, I actually just kind of wanted to just bring a dialed up version of myself, which I think is a lot, uh, oftentimes is what people do in wrestling. The best versions of characters are, well, it's me, but just the, the volume's turned up to 10 or 100 or 100 or 11, as the case may be, yeah. <laughs> you know. Do you feel that, that TV acting is is in some way that, though? Because I like Marsha uh, uh, Debonese, who, who was mm-hmm. in the show. Nah, she's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she she teaches at um at Juilliard, mm-hmm. um, and she talked about that. She said basically that's the uh, school in New York that didn't let me in. That oh that one yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Fuck the school her. that it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one, dude. Yeah, it's a tough one. But she she speaks about that kind of like that that TV is is you playing a version of yourself. Um, do you well, feel that? Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be, I'm just trying to be the most comfortable that I can be. Now, there are traits about Jack that are pretty distinguished. Um, I don't have an accent in real life. That's not how I talk. But, you know, I think that the more that you can feel comfortable in your own skin, the better off that you're going to be. Now, you can get into a situation where it calls for a certain thing. If Jack's supposed to walk with a limp, you know, and I don't, well, I, I have to walk with a limp. But to me, it was just about going and trying to bring out a Southern, slightly more stubborn version of myself. And watching the first episode, um, a friend of mine, Mackenzie, is just watching it and she's like, you just played a Southern version of yourself, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah, I did. Thank you very much for the compliment. Right, right. Yeah, I could feel that, dude. I could, I could even feel that on set. And I, I didn't know you personally at that at that time, 
but I did kind of feel like you had this ease about you. You would you would just get to set, and that was one of those things that that I I really learned from you mm-hmm. was that was just having that ease, dude. Yeah, that's a that's that's a real that's a real difficult thing to learn. Mm-hmm. You think about someone like I whenever I just watch, whenever I watch Denzel Washington work, he's just doing the simplest thing. He's just being a cool version of himself. He's not rushed. I don't think that his heart rate changes between between action and and, and cut. Like I, I, he just doesn't get he doesn't get nervous. He's just very aware of his surroundings. He drinks in the space and he doesn't let anything speed him up, slow him down, push him sideways, pull him up, push him down. Doesn't matter. He's just doing his thing. And I tried uh, on a much smaller scale to just. Just do my thing. Yeah. But you see this too when the scenes that you have, especially with with Trey and and Alan and James, um, those are those scenes you're you're totally emblematic of your personality in real life and Alan's. Not so much Trey. <laughs> he's a brain. He's brother. he's he has a brain. <laughs> yeah. He's a brain. But I mean I mean that's you guys, that's you guys shooting the shit and taking the piss and Yeah. You're right, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that's if you can get into that sweet spot. Dude. Yep. Um, for me, even though it, it might come off that way, I, I like to be honest on the podcast too, because like so many times actors talk about this shit and I I, I had doubts throughout the entire filming. I, I don't know how much you know about my background. I'm I'm a theater actor basically. Okay. You know, I did I did New York theater for for nine years. Um, this is my first real tv job you know so with that in mind (laughs) i I, you can just imagine the kind of fucking Mm -hmm. how overwhelmed i felt Mm -hmm. because it's such a different experience dude yeah um when do you think that when you were in those early roles right when you were recurring on things when you were guest starring on Mm -hmm. things um did you have that ease or is that something that came with the repetition and the years you've put in definitely the latter it, it came with it came with the reps yeah. i think that going in on an episode and having a critical guest starring role i don't know that there's much more and many things more difficult Agreed. than that because you're, you're walking into uh, you're walking into a well-oiled machine if you're walking into episodic television and they're past the first or second season um, they've got their they've got their way of doing things. Yeah, remember my first ever American job was on CSI Miami, and um, Caruso actually stopped one of the setups because he was like, "This doesn't this doesn't make sense." Now this was season nine of that show. I want to say it was like season nine, episode three, or something okay. like that. And just the fact that he just stopped everything and was like, no, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and <clears throat> what ended up happening was the first assistant director came up to me and said, we're behind. Um, we do not go over 12 hours on this show under any circumstances whatsoever. It doesn't happen anymore. It hasn't happened in five seasons. I said, okay. He said, are you comfortable changing on set? And I said, uh-huh. He said, we're going to have to do a bunch of setups. And we need to just stand by, just knock them out. And I said, yeah, sure. No problem. But I mean, it was like we were up against the clock. It was one of those, it was one of those days where they call, they yell action 
right before they hit the 12 hour mark and then they didn't cut for like 11 minutes because because you're technically not over 12 hours until Uh, until you all cut uh so yeah guest star guest guest starring is tough the ease came from reps on arrow yeah and it went into a spot where it just really accelerated when i filmed in new york in 2015 that's when the ease came about because i used to get very on arrow you mean uh, yeah on arrow short-tempered is the wrong word but if i if i if a phone buzzed if someone was walking in my eyeline if someone was in my eyeline christian bale yeah i'm not quite the we're fucking done professionally i love that i love it oh man can you imagine a dp right in the middle of the scene just walking in just adjusting a light uh so but you were short-tempered you well not short-tempered i don't i don't think short-tempered but i just any anything and everything could throw me off my game and then when I worked in New York, and it's just like the crew's going to move, the crew's going to talk, you're filming out on the street, people are going to be yelling your name. It's New York. You are a guest in that city. Right? No one gives a shit if you buy out all of Times Square. If someone's walking there, they're walking there. And I got back to set going into the fourth season of Arrow after filming and just looked around and realized how good I had it there. Just, Just... My setup, my trailer, its location, its proximity to set, my 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 guy, my driver, Michael, like everything was dialed in for me. And I think after one or two days, I just spoke to the crew before calling. I said, "Guys, apologies if I've been a bit of a dick for the past three years. I'm learning. I'm I'm learning. Wow. I'm learning. And I realized that I've probably gripped a little too tight on occasion. So uh, let's." Let's uh, put a different foot forward starting right now. We were going to get into this a little later, but you did how many episodes a season on on Arrow? 23. (laughs) 23 episodes a season plus, 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 plus. I think with the crossovers. So you're looking at, I think the the most that I ever did in a season was probably like 28, 29. That's oh. like old school 902 and 0 when they used to do the 36 episode seasons and they'd have the the 10 episodes in the summer months. Bro. Those guys got worked. Oh my god, bro. I don't think people out there that dude, they don't understand that level of work, man. I mean, obviously we're fucking actors at the end of the day, yeah. but Yeah. But I mean, dude, 20, let's just say 23 for the sake of the thing. How many months out of the year are you working there? We're working on or about July 5th or 6th to April 20th, thereabouts. We get, um, we would get our Canadian holidays up there. So a couple long weekends here and there. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't until a couple of years in that we started to get the Thursday, Friday off for American Thanksgiving. Uh, and then we would have two and a bit weeks at Christmas. Um, and 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 that was it. That was it. Dude. The, 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 it's a it's a it's a gr- it's a grind. It it really is. It's it's the maximum amount that I think you can shoot, unless you just didn't stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I I I personally think that it's right up there with 
with doing like a Broadway show. Did you ever do Broadway? No, I never did Broadway, okay. off-Broadway. Okay. Um, but I can imagine, dude. I mean, I did do shows where we had hundreds of shows, you know, yeah. and, and I actually did one show where we would have two shows a day, Oof. Thursday through Sunday, um, and it was rough, dude. Mm. And we did that show to over 200 times. Um, I, 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 picking up on what you said a second ago, we are actors, and I get it, and, yeah. and that's what we're doing. That we're not going to win any sympathy sympathy points. Concurrently, one thing that I would love to explain to people is, even if you are calm, even if you're very aware of your surroundings and you're feeling good, the moment that they yell "roll sound" or they, you know, call action, you get a kick of adrenaline something releases some sort of dopamine or however you want to explain it that happens every single time they yell action for me still still okay still i i don't i don't know how i don't know how it wouldn't yeah. i just think it's it's just a basic like reaction and and release of adrenaline all of this to say i don't care if i'm doing something super physical like we're doing a wrestling day or I'm sitting behind a desk all day. If I'm in every scene, mm -hmm. I'm exhausted at the end of the day. I'm exhausted because you're on, right? In a way that you don't totally realize. Well, that's the other thing. It's like you're not a you're not a supporting actor. No. You were the guy mm -hmm. on Arrow and you're the guy on, on Heels as well. But Arrow, you're talking 23 episodes. You're the guy. You're in the majority of the scenes, mm -hmm. right? Um, how How do you fit in family dude well the the best thing that happened to the best thing that happened to us was to have your kid because as i'm sure you're learning mm -hmm. for me having a kid made made every other part of my life way simpler um because i would only because i would only be doing things if i wanted to do them Right, someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, do this." And if if I don't want to, not once you had a kid, you're just like, "No, nope, fuck off, I don't want to." And and when it came to the show, it was easy for Arrow to be the most important thing in my life. It was legitimately the most important thing in my life, to, which should never be the case ever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Cass and I have Mavi. And she becomes instantaneously the number one thing in my life in terms of importance. And then Cass becomes number two. And then I like leave number three open and then there's a space and then there's the show. And so, and so, and so it, it allowed me to take a little bit of my power back in terms of scheduling because I just, I just be like, guys, I, I'm not getting the opportunity to spend enough time with my family, fix the schedule. This is not good enough. But I'm not flexing. It's just like, guys, I have a prior, I have a, I have a tier here. One, two, and three. Okay. You're not any of those things. You're number four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So stop. Don't, don't fucking tell me that, that it can't be worked. I need to spend this time with my family. And that's the only option. What are people going to say? Right, because they, yeah, no. they can tell that I'm serious. No, and they know they know the sure. demand they're placing on you too. Yes, that's the they, other they, thing. They do, but I also you can't ever fault anyone for you know 
for for the ask, right? Yeah. Like keep asking, keep asking until you get a no. Yeah, might as well. Did did you have your daughter right around that same time that the ease came into your life with the with the acting or no? No. So well, I, the first season of the show was a real tough one. I we Mavi was born when we were filming the ninth episode of the second season. I I remember very specifically because it was it's definitely aside from the finale, the busiest fucking time of year because that's when we would start doing the crossovers and all that stuff. Um, but having her certainly put stuff in perspective. It didn't crystallize until you know about a year and a bit later. But um, no, she's she keeps me calm. Certainly, I like the fact that she thinks that what I do is cool. She does. She good, does. Good, yeah. Good, dude. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. was really disappointed that she couldn't come to set. She loves. Yeah. Uh, on Arrow, she had a uh, she had a chair back, like a proper chair back for mm. when she would come to set. She'd yell action all the time. Oh yeah. Um, there was a one point where she was sitting in Video Village, and it was take one of the master on a big scene. The director of photography, my buddy Gord, uh, was like got up and and just was adjusting the monitors because this this take this take was going to go in the garbage for sure. Huh. And he started just whispering something to the director for the next take, and Mavi goes shh shh <laughs> shh. <laughs> <laughs> he turns around and goes, Ooh, sorry. Yeah. No, but she loves it. She'll, I mean, you know, fingers crossed she'll get to come to set if uh, if we get to keep going. Yeah, bro. Hopefully, dude. Did you always want to be an actor, Steve? No. No. I always thought that I'd be a pro athlete for mm -hmm. sure. You? No, same. I, I thought uh, baseball was my thing. Dude. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since I was five years old all the way through high school, man. What and position? Pitcher. No. At a gnarly curve, dude. Are you, why do I feel like you might be a lefty? No. You're bro, not? I wish. Actually, I might have had a better shot if I was a lefty. Because sure. I had, you know, my changeup was fire. But so I, where, I but, but okay, enough. so, okay, so how, okay. All right, so what did your fastball top out at? 82, 81. Okay. Wow. So aside from your, unless you're Mark Burley or exactly, something like that. Exactly, dude. Exactly. <laughs> and and I never developed a, a knuckleball like Tim Wakefield or anything. Like, I just couldn't. Oh, it was man. never gonna. It was never gonna go anywhere. But that was my dream, dude. That was my first dream was was to be yeah. know, a baseball player. And that's, you know, a lot of the the relationship between my father and I was that, dude. Mm. You know, so having to bury that, dude. That was my first. Like real heartbreak was like, oh shit, this isn't gonna happen, dude. Yeah. And growing up Miami, my background's Cuban. I mean, it's like baseball yeah. is, is is everything. You know? Um, who's the who's the who's the greatest Cuba-born baseball player of all time? I I remember um, who did I like? Who did I really enjoy uh, growing up? El Duque. Oh, El Duque he was, was huge, great. man. Levon Hernandez, great. his brother. Uh, they both they both came and and with like crazy stories, dude. Yeah. How they escaped Cuba and yeah. all that shit. Well, Duque even more. Duque even more. Yeah, also, yeah. he came over and had this great career, but like he did. Yeah, people yeah, were yeah. like, this guy might be fifty four years old. <laughs> oh yeah, there's always right that up. shit, dude. Because he would. I watched him pitch. I watched him pitch a couple of times in person, and yeah. he would every once in a while he would just drop in a um, uh, like a like a like a teardrop. He would drop in like a. 43 mile an hour sweeping curve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every once in a while, dude. In high school, there was always that. It's like some kid comes in from Cuba and you're like, who the fuck's this guy? Yeah. And he seems like he's 35 or some shit. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I wanted, I thought I would be a professional athlete or, or hoped that I would be. What sport? 
Well, I played football. I skied. I swam. Um, I did rugby as well, and I never, I never, I never specialized growing up as a kid. I always, I always just did all the did all the things. I think that I probably could have been like a special teams guy, like a like a gunner or something like that, um, at like a smaller school for football. Yeah, and. I mean, I'm six one or six two, so it, it probably I would have I would have crested out at some point, but god damn it, I was a, I'm a fast swimmer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the like the fifty free and the one hundred free, I would just I just kept kept getting faster and faster and faster with that. But I hated swimming practices so much that I stopped. <laughs> yeah, I think that happens to a lot of people with that sport, yeah. bro. Yeah. And and what ended up happening that you you got into acting. I went through, well, I, I did acting through my 20s. It's how I made, you know, it's how I made a living, more or less. And then uh, I went through a really bad breakup uh, when I was in my late 20s. And it sounds really, it might sound hokey, but I just took stock of the, the things in my life that I felt like were important. Family, friends, my dog, Louie, and acting. Acting really, really makes me happy. It it really does, especially now that I'm getting a chance to do it more, right? And from that moment forward, you could see my acting career turned into a career and started progressing in the way that a career should progress insofar as I was booking a guest star and then I was booking a recurring guest star and then I got a series regular and then I got a little offer. And whereas before I'd book something like I'd book a really big job, but I wouldn't be able to get the shitty, you know, four line part mm. in something. So everything is moving in the right direction since, since 2010. So you felt like you kind of reinvented yourself somewhere around there? I started acting because I liked acting and I start I stopped thinking about the financial and you know social implications of being a successful actor mm. because when I did it in my 20s I wanted to be famous, right? Which is a taboo thing to say, but I think that a lot of us have a lot of us have been there. It's an intoxicating idea and that's what I will that's what I wanted. Mm. Right? But you can't attach, uh, you can't attach a monetary value to success in the arts because you never know. You might do something that's amazing that you don't get paid a dime on, and you might do something that's a steaming pile of shit, but they pay you a bunch of money. So I, I just started walking into a room, and I don't. I, people could sense that there wasn't any desperation there. It was just I, I wanted to try to make myself hireable for a job and. If you liked me, great. And if you didn't, great. But I really started taking, I really started taking my power in in the room, asking questions, getting to do it again. There were jobs that I ended up getting that I previously I would have walked out of the room and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten them. But because I was present and there for the right reasons, I was able to ask the questions of like, well, do you want me to go further with this scene? Do you like tell me? Mm. And they would go, okay, sure. And they would tell me what they wanted. <laughs> it's and crazy, I would, right? And I would, and I would do it. Listen. <laughs> when you actually listen, that's that's it. 
I mean, I, everyone's listening to this right now is like, oh yeah, well, well done, fellas, you two fucking geniuses over there. But that's, but that's the actual thing. Yeah. Are you? Can you slow down your heart rate? And can you just fucking listen? Which is why I would go into auditions and forgive me if this was a topic that we were going to talk about, but like, I would just play a heightened version of myself so that I would be comfortable with the words that I was saying. And I would bring a lot of energy and enthusiasm into the room. And then they would go, hey, g- great take. And then as opposed to trying to figure out what they wanted, right, they would tell me because they would let me do it again. So I, I don't know. I thought I, I thought I gamed the system a little bit there. What was the first job from that kind of new mentality towards it that you booked that, that, that you think in, in the past you wouldn't have booked? Like what? Well... In terms of booking something that I wouldn't have wouldn't have booked, you know, I, I just going in and, and doing the basic work for CSI Miami and NCIS LA, that was really important because both of those times, I this is going to be a long winded answer. Both of those times, it was the third time that I had had auditioned for a, a guest starring role in these episodics, and my manager had actually said to me, he goes, you know, don't stress like. Nan Dutton has been casting CSI Miami since it started, and and she was already a legend in the industry at that point. She's going to bring you in a few times before she trusts you enough to hire you. And sure enough, on the third time that I went for her, third time I went in for NCS LA, I got it. I think getting cast in New Girl and just doing just doing comedy in general, uh, that was really principally my audition coach uh this gentleman chad mccord who uh, is still uh, living and working in los angeles as an audition coach and a director he started to teach me just like how to get hired you know like how to actually like work an audition in the room but the biggest what were some of those things just like you just that you're there to be that you're there to be hired right like you're the way that you walk into the room matters. Mm. Um, he said to me, he's like, anytime they're auditioning for a CW show, especially, <laughs> he goes, you got to imagine it always like it's a porn scene. Like it's the dialogue before in a, in a, in a porno before they start fucking. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Anytime that you say a line, imbue sex into it all the time, oh, anywhere man. you can. And just imagine at the end of the line, you hear and that, <laughs> and sure enough, like sure enough, yeah. it started to work. But I auditioned for 90210 for the CW. And to answer your question, finally, they had written this really lovely monologue that didn't end up being in the show. I think it was just f- just for the audition. And I did it. And the director, she said to me, she's like, you know, we want you to hit it over the head. I I know it's going to feel a little clumsy, but like just, and the words are right on point, but like really go for it. And I did it again. And she said, thank you. And I went, that wasn't enough, was it? She said, well, no. And I said, well, then believe me, I can give you enough. Just let me try one more time. That's ballsy. Please, if that's all right. Yeah. She said, okay. And I did it. And she goes, there there it is wow and i went okay all right now i'm not going to ask you if i have the job but i didn't just a second ago right and she goes oh no you didn't i said oh well good i'm glad thank Mm. you for your time 
and I got that and job. That so I was quite literally walking out of the room, not having it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you would have just walked out, would have been over. Over, over. I mean, maybe they ninety nine times out of a hundred, just over. Yeah, yeah. And and hung. Let's get to hung. How how did you book that? Was that was is there a story behind that or or? Sure. So it, this was. February of 2011 and I went and right in early January I went and auditioned for the lead for the villain in a lifetime movie that was going to shoot in New Orleans and booked it and my agents were like well you know do you really want to go to New Orleans for a for a month I mean you're going to be like a couple of weeks late for pilot season and I go fuck yes I'm going to New Orleans for a month. Like, (laughs) I'm going to go work. Yeah. And I did and had a great experience on this this Lifetime movie. And then got back into town and just dropped into the thick of pilot season. Um, I had a screen testing deal for Prince Charming on Once Upon a Time um, and two other test deals that were happening. And then in the midst of all of that, there was an audition for a recurring guest star on Hunk. Hmm. And it was the first scene that you see my character in. And it's, it's, it's when the two of them are having sex and she needs him to pull out so she can see how big his cock is. Right now we had to fully like, um, simulate sex on like a on like a boardroom table right oh, and and they when i got there for the callback they brought in rebecca kreskoff who plays lenore who was the, my scene partner in that and it was just like how ridiculous am i prepared to make myself look and make myself feel and you know i let's just go for it let's not have any regrets let's 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 really let's go for it and i just just had fun I know this sounds so simple, but it's just been the ability to be present, relax. It's just made all the difference. Fuck. But doing that at a callback, dude. And that's Oh, and it's scene. like it's like, "Hi Rebecca, nice to meet you, Rebecca Kreskoff." Oh. I mean, god, the love of my life, the one that got away. I mean, <laughs> happily married with kids as am I. Uh-huh. But I mean, she is just stunningly beautiful bright gorgeous red hair just a, a thousand watt smile i hope she's listening to this and and then you know she just pops into the room and it's like hello nice to meet you and now we've got to simulate fucking on right. on the table <laughs> and and so you just try to have fun with it uh-huh and the yeah. show had already been going on for a while right yeah so i came about to show you yeah i'd never I've, I've never seen an episode of season one and season i've never seen an episode before i arrive on the show Oh. Believe it or not, yeah. You didn't want to. No, I didn't. No, actually, I, I didn't. And then I just haven't gotten around to it. Oh, okay. uh, Since okay. then, but man, I had a blast. I, I had a blast doing that. It it feels there's a there's a definite synchronicity right now with heels coming out and the fact that they gave us the fucking Sopranos time slot Sunday at nine p.m. I mean, when Hung came out and that was like, I think I watched the East Coast feed at seven thirty. Or maybe it was on at 10. I can't remember. I just remember seeing my name in the opening credits. Uh, come on. It was crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Your family was jacked up. Did everyone like it? Let's yeah. all tune in to watch. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, sure. Yeah, yeah, except yeah. that, except that, like, so that I didn't, I didn't realize that that, uh, you know, how low they went with the camera. Uh, oh a, cu- a couple of times, it's like, oh my oh, god, shit. there's a gif of my fucking pubic hair. Oh there, no, and, and I didn't, I didn't know at all, at all that they were gonna. That they basically went to the base of the sock, and it just, and yeah, anyhow, shit. So. How, did you do anything specific to prepare for that role, or, or no, 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 just went in and just went and went for it. it. Yep. Um, Arrow, let's get to Arrow, dude. Okay, booking it. Um, up to that point, you you'd had uh, series regulars before, or no? Hung was a series regular. Yeah. Uh, so I thought so that was a recurring. It excuse me. It, that's what I said. Um, because I had all these test deals. My manager leveraged those test deals into oh, taking it from a recurring guest star to just a full on series regular. Gotcha. And I think that I, I gosh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I was in all, I was in every episode. I think in one I'd show up and I'm like wheezing because I'm having sex, but I have a broken nose, something like that. Right. So, <laughs> so anyhow. And the CW but, up to that point, they knew about you. Right, right before yeah. they before they were booking Arrow, they did. They did. Things. Mark Mark Pedowitz, Arrow was the first uh, show that he greenlit for development when he got to the CW. But he came to the CW from ABC, and that fall, the fall, well, late late summer fall of two thousand eleven, uh, they brought me on my first offer as a recurring guest star on Private Practice. So because that was ABC, um, Mark Pedowitz watches every episode. Like when, And when I say that, I mean like he watches every episode of every show that he has on the air right now. Think think about that for a second. Yeah. Think about the – and I said to him, I said like, no, but seriously, Mark, like at a certain point you skip like episode 11 of season five of Dynasty. And he's like, no, I don't. I don't. I watch every goddamn Studio Network cut. I'm like, okay. But uh, his wife uh, saw me on private practice and was like, Mark, look at this. Look at this young young actor. Hmm. And um, so I was on the radar. But the best part about it was that that job on 90210 that I didn't have in the room, the casting director on that was David Rappaport. The casting director on Arrow was David Rappaport. So, so he literally, I was the first person to audition. I was the first one that they brought in. He did that on purpose and apparently did that with Grant Gustin and Melissa Benoist. And so you go in, what happens? Do uh, right off the bat, do you know, like, I have a good shot at this? Yeah. I go in, I'm sitting there, David Nutter, most prolific pilot director in the history of television, uh, is sitting there. Um, Guggenheim, Mark Guggenheim was there. Andrew Kreisberg was there. And it was in Greg Berlanti's office, but he was not there. A couple of DC people were there. And I just sit down. I just read the scene. Z- uh, the director gave me a few notes. I you did- read them. Or you mean you performed them? Perf- per- yeah. Okay. Sure. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I always hold my audition sides with me. Good. Yeah, right? Yeah. When I'm in a room. Yeah. Just so that I have points of reference or notes and what have you. But I read, uh, so I performed the the two scenes, got a quick couple of notes from the director, did it again. He said, would you mind waiting outside for a second? And I said, yeah, no problem. I go outside, 
they bring me back in the room like 10 minutes later and there's like 22 people in there and I just did it again and I and I walked I walked out of there and I called my agent and I go look I know that I'm not supposed to say this but I I feel like I just booked that job in that room and he's like that's amazing hang on one second what's that pardon me and they were phoning for a test deal right then oh shit so that was a call that a call that a, call that a Monday let's call that a let's call that a Monday uh on I'm not going to remember the days, but at a certain point, David Nutter, the director, brought me back to, back onto the WB lot <clears throat> for he and I to do work together prior to my net studio tests. Mm-hmm. Studio test was in you know an office building with like wraparound windows, and David prepped me for it. And he said, Stephen, he said you're. Because you're going in there and you're auditioning, but I want you to play up the comedy. I want you to talk louder than you normally would. And I want you to imagine that you're going out on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Right. And I said, okay. And sure enough, I walked into the room and I met Peter Roth for the first time, the president of WBTV. And I made him laugh right off the jump. He just cracked a joke or something. Mm. And I saw the director like sitting and giving me a thumbs up with these wild eyes. And then he came the. David Nutter came and supported me during my studio audition at the CW offices. Damn, dude! And so all the all this—it's all—it's all happening, and they didn't even—they didn't even bring in another guy mm-hmm. as a secondary option. They were actually, frankly, trying to push me through before the big agencies. I wasn't signed with one of them at the time. Uh, before they like fired their guys into it because all of this stuff is packaged at WME or CAA or, or whatever. So they were basically trying to hire me before, <clears throat> before they got pushed back in any way, shape or form. So that, yeah, I just, I, I went through, I went through that whole process while I was working on private practice mm-hmm. and, uh, and it basically, it was like a, it was like a Tuesday. It was the first of February, 2012. So it's basically two years to the day since I moved to LA. Um, right at twelve o'clock, my agent and manager called me up. I'd worked on private practice that morning, and he was just like, "It's uh, it's it's done. Congrats, man!" Oh my god! And it was on, you know, it was on deadline and all that stuff. It was crazy. Like it was just a, it was a, um, it was like an out of body experience. Yeah, spiritual mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, well, I, I just remember they're like, "What did you do afterwards?" I'm like, "I drove home and I napped hmm. for like three hours." Were Be- you, you were with your wife already, or no? Yeah, yeah. She, oh, she, so and I, she, she and I, yeah, she and I had met. Uh, so this is February 2012, we had met sort of October, November of 2011. Hmm. So early days, but but yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to Cabo Cantina on or some on uh, on Hollywood Boulevard with a, with a bunch of friends. Like someone brought me a Green Arrow comic book, and it's just again, it's just, fuck, it's fucked like when you when you think about it for a second or even just like see your picture on deadline hollywood it's just it's just it's crazy it's crazy you think it happens to people every day but it was um it was amazing but i i, I couldn't sleep the night before i watched the entire back to the future trilogy the night, <laughs> the night before it's a good way to do yeah, it dude. sure well, and, i just couldn't sleep yeah. yeah and 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 you had dreamed about this right i mean you said in your 20s you had dreamed about booking something yeah like that, right? yeah I mean, you, you always you always think you always think about it you just 
just all the things that I wanted, but I, I just, I was just really excited to play this part. You know, that's, that's what, that's, that's what's, that's what stuck with me. And, and just, I started, you start getting notes from people. Like I've been a green arrow fan for the past 40 years and I've always wanted him to get his due. I feel like a kid in a candy store. I feel so grateful. There's going to be a series. Oh my goodness. And I don't know. It's so special to ever get the opportunity to be an ambassador for a character that has existed before you and is going to continue to exist long after you. Mm -hmm. I will not be the last person to play Green Arrow. I certainly hope not. I hope someone else gets to gets to go do it. But to to embody something like that uh, is just so special because you know it's. It's just special. Life changing too, I'd imagine. Very that, much that, so. And, yeah. and and so you you shoot the show. We talk about how grueling that that process was for you. It becomes a hit. Mm-hmm. Now this is another level of I'd imagine just shock, right? Yeah. I mean, um, and I, and I, I'm bringing these things up, man, because I the way I, I'm trying to relate to it is for myself, dude. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up, I mean, I, I, the past 10 years, dude, I've been dreaming my, my, my face <laughs> off and now to be on heels, dude, and to be here in front of you, man. And to be in the room with people like Michael Malley with sure. Chris Bauer, I'm like, I mean, everything is just so new to me. And so, um, a day that I had a, a day that I had a great big scene with Chris. Yeah. And I was so happy with it. And then I would go home that night and I watched that new Denzel Washington, Rami Malek. Oh, I saw uh, it. Yeah. Li- little things, the little things, yeah. whatever. I didn't even know Chris is in it. Oh, no. And all of a sudden he's sharing like the similar, like a similar type of scene that I shot with him that day with Denzel. And I'm just like, what a small world, man. Insane. What isn't, yeah, just crazy. So the show becomes a hit. Mm-hmm. What what happens to to your life, dude? I mean, I, I'll tell you the first thing that happened once the show came out and it was a hit. Yeah, a bunch of cooks get in the kitchen mm. and they want a part of it. First thing that they wanted to do was hire an acting coach, and we're ten episodes in, and I'm like, what? What do you what do you need? And they wanted to hire. I mean, all of a sudden the show's a hit and it has this value, and they wanted. I don't know. They, I was just listening to what they told me to do and they really wanted the character to be reserved. And they're like, we just like you to be a little more loosey goosey. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I've just been doing what you guys asked, but mm-hmm. that's exactly that's, you know, that's more or less what happened. And then I don't know, there wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a anything particularly crazy happened. It was just like, you know, you get recognized a lot more. Yeah. Cooks in the kitchen. Mm hmm. Um, do you feel like those first few years you, you were, you were kind of at their whim a little bit. And then once you kind of gained that power within yourself that you, you started to kind of control a little bit of, a little bit more of what you were doing and, and how you were doing the role and, and, and how it's perceived and all of that. Sure. Um, it's such a machine. Dude. It, it really, it, it, re- it really, it really is. And uh, and it was frustrating at times because the success of Arrow gave that that creative team uh, more opportunities to do The Flash and to do Supergirl and to do eventually Batwoman and all of the different things that 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 they've done. But as those things were getting announced, it was like the brain drain was happening from our show. Like we we had the dream team of 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 people in charge of the show, and then 
like one by one, it's like, well, this person is now running this show and like you're losing people. Mm. So it, I felt like the, I felt like the caretaker for the show on set in terms of continuity and things like that. And I'm sure that I was gripping a little bit tight and overstating my value in some way, shape or form. But uh, while my relationship to the show and, and the way that I was treated did change and mature as it went along, I did get the sense that I was always going to be the actor that they hired knowing full well that there were a thousand other guys that wanted the job and that, you know, paid me a, a reasonable a reasonable wage, but also they know deep down that I would have done the job for free. Like I would have paid them to do it because it was such, such an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So I don't know that I ever shifted from just an actor in 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 their in their in their eyes. I didn't have a didn't have a bad relationship with anyone. My relationship with 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 Mark Guggenheim was contentious at points, but ultimately it's just because we both want the show to be really fucking good. Yeah. And so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bonk heads every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to that guy in a year and a bit and the last time we spoke on the phone we yelled it's not ideal but like <laughs> you know so yeah yeah and and on the business side of acting while that's happening you said you weren't at a big agency yet we're, we're gonna have a lot of actors that are gonna listen to this podcast how how do you grow right your career is grow going in a in a upwards uh trajectory mm-hmm how do those changes happen on the business side, right? Because I'd imagine you'd, you'd created some kind of bond with maybe the agent that you had, or, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure if you're still with the same manager, but how do you navigate that side? I mean, does it just kind of naturally happen? That yeah, it just, I mean, it just sort of naturally happens. You know, I I was with an agency called SMS and my point guy there, Ian, um, who I'm still, who I'm still friends with. Um, it, it I, I just, I got intoxicated by the idea of one of the bigger agencies. Of and I I went into the process th- thinking that I was going to sign with WME uh, because it, connections through my manager in, that, com- in that, that company. And then I just got blown away by my interview with CAA. So I ended up going with them. And, you know, the ironic, the ironic part is that I haven't, I haven't, I haven't thought about agents or agencies for a while because I haven't really been available to do anything, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, heels. I mean, you know, they, they were very helpful for me. And when I getting, when I got cast in that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Jason Heyman, who's now with W uh, UTA, uh, it was, was really um, behind that. But I, you know, I like my agents now. But I'm I'm interested to see what will happen if Heels comes out and it's a big hit because theoretically that that should be when it really works to be with an agency like CAA. And that you're not shooting eleven months out of the year, right? <laughs> so exactly. now you're gonna have time to. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. What are the kind of projects that you want to get into now, man? Well, uh, we're filming the sequel to Code Eight uh, in the, in the fall, and I'm excited about that because I'm an EP as well. I haven't thought beyond heels and and probably towards a second season of the show because 
I've not that I've been turning stuff down, but I haven't really been actively seeking stuff because I'm interested in people seeing me in this part. I just think that it's a conversation changer. I think that it's uh, in a lot of ways for me professionally, it's kind of like graduating a little bit. And uh, I don't think that it's it, the degree of difficulty compared to doing something like arrow is it's not higher, but it's just, you're just thought of in a different way. It's premium cable. It's Sunday evening. It's high concept, high value premium television. Mm -hmm. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last question, brother. And then I'm going to let you go have a good time with your fam here okay. on Sunday, David. Um, how, how do you keep your sanity within the craziness of this career, man? Mm -hmm. And and it can be something you're still working on, but I, I want to hear about, I, I, I deal with anxiety mm -hmm. and working on the show uh, <laughs> brought that out. You know what actually happened to me? No. Which I wanted to no, tell run me. this by you and then see if <laughs> we finished filming. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. We did eight episodes, fine. Uh we filmed during the COVID stuff, whatever. I had a kid also that could have added to this that happens that okay? <laughs> you think? <laughs> but I have I have a kid, we finished shooting, and I get this anxiety dude that I've never had mm. in my life. Um all of a sudden I'm back to just I'm not I'm not thinking about, you know, the character, I'm not thinking about heels, I'm kind of treading water again. Right. And I had just had this crazy experience working with you guys. And the anxiety just like it, it overwhelmed me, bro. I had never felt this in my life. Hmm. Um, I wonder, this might be a reach, but when you finish Arrow, mm -hmm. um, although you did already know you were going to come on to do heels is there something that 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 happens when you finish shooting something that you maybe you've been a part it's been a part of your life for so long and then now you're kind of just in the real world again and 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 that that anxiety might might bubble back up man is that is that something yeah yeah stopping arrow made me stopping arrow made me sad it's like i, I went into i went into mourning i also stayed on for for a season longer than I than I wanted, so I felt. And again, this is one of those things where people are gonna be like crying a fucking river. But I felt no, like dude, I felt like yeah. I was. I felt like I, I felt like I compromised my sort of artistic integrity slightly by by going back because it. I went back for a very specific reason. I went back for the money. We could have very simply finished it up in season season seven. There's ample ample ways to do that, and 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 I was just it was just positioned a different way for me and it was like why well, I'm gonna have to shoot 22 episodes anyway would it be fiscally responsible to 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 turn down an additional 10 episodes when you know that that's gonna change the episodic fee substantially mm -hmm. and it's like I would be fiscally irresponsible like as a husband and a father to not to not do this and yet it made me really sad it, it gave me a lot of it gave me a lot of anxiety um it took me to a point where sometimes I would be drinking a bit too much, but you know, certainly never, I mean, never in a way to, to compromise myself professionally or, you know, on the show, but like it was coming from a bad place. It was coming from a sad place. Like a drink at the end of the night was coming from a sad place. That's not fun. And then, 
And then I really wrestled with the idea that I'm worth more to Arrow than I am on the open market. I was really, really touched and it, it meant a great deal to me that I, that stars basically matched what my quote was on Arrow mm. to go do heels. Because once I read that first episode, I mean, I'm sorry if they're hearing this right now, but once I read that first episode, there was no fucking way I wasn't doing the show. <laughs> but we did have like a, we did have a, we did have a number in mind, and I think that we would have capitulated a little bit, but it it was tenable for everybody. But you go through this process of being like, oh my god, I'm worth more to Arrow than I'm ever going to be worth to anything ever. Mm. Am I fucking this up? Am I really like? Am I am I am I really gonna? not do like four more years of this thing like it's dialed okay like we got it we know how to do it yeah dude it's it it's you know we we can just keep going and going and going and going and i struggled with that a ton i thought about that i thought about that like you wouldn't believe and you know and and i just i don't think that you as an actor and a performer someone that puts yourself out there it's you're going to have that anxiety. You're going to have that angst. You're going to have the the self-doubt because those are all things that ultimately, you know, if you utilize them the right way, they're going to, you're going to get the best out of yourself. If you're just a little frightened <laughs> and a little sad, right? <laughs> and a little anxious. <laughs> So just uh, live with it, is just, what you're saying. Well, I mean, what do you? I mean, like, I mean, like, what are you gonna? What are you gonna do? You know, like, what, I mean, yeah, what are you? Right, what are you gonna do? You know, right, you right. know the career that you chose. Yeah, that's... you know. I mean, it, they don't. They don't make. They don't make jokes about actors being sensitive because we're not sensitive. We are sensitive. Yeah. Right. We care a lot. Things stress us out. You know, we want to be liked. We want to look good. We want to come off well. We want the show to be popular. We want to do more of it. You know? I hear you, brother. Yeah. Dude, you're a beast, man. I, I learned so much watching you on the show. Oh, man. thank you. And, and I, I, I can't wait for hopefully a season two where we can have more scenes together and, and we can really work, man. What's your what's your favorite uh favorite moment from the first season? From working on it or from yeah, what I'm sure seen? you it, uh, dude, it's gotta be so we had a church scene, mm -hmm. and it was the day before I left to see my daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's me, James, Trey, Alan, out in the... I think you might have heard about this. And Mike starts giving a speech. And I think he's giving a speech about me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wearing this little jacket, dude, and I'm like, kind of like, I start tugging at it, right? And James... And and Alan also think the speech is about me because I'm leaving to see my daughter, right? And Mike's Mike's going on this soliloquy about family, and he's been away from his family, and yeah, blah blah blah, and he's going out now, and da da da, and uh, and then when he reaches the end of the speech, I think he's gonna say Robbie Ramos, and instead he says, uh, "Fuck, what?" Joel Murray? No, it wasn't Joel Murray, <laughs> but it, it was. Uh, God damn, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, but it, 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 it's uh, Mary's Mary's husband on the show. Oh, Ted. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he says his name, and he's behind me, dude. Jesus. So God. I have to move to the side. Oh, but what happened after, dude, was just 
mayhem because just imagine James and, and Alan. They just ripped me a new one, dude. Oh, and for me, brother, it, I, you, it's funny you say that about our scenes. It felt like that was a scene. You know what I mean? Because they're they're ripping me a new one. And I'm laughing, dude. I'm having a good time about it. But um, I think that that stands out, <laughs> dude, is the camaraderie um, that, that we had on there, bro. So We had no choice. We no had no, choice, we, brother. We, yeah. Nothing else to do. No one else to see. What about you, dude? Now that you asked me that, I, I'm curious about what your, your- Favorite moment? Yeah, favorite moment. Oh well, the the match that we have at the end of the at the end of the year at, at the state fair, just wow. just executing that, and just I got to watch a couple of people like really have like a seminal professional moment. That was pretty special. Um, Allison and I have seen the finale. That's great, but just oh man, just in 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 general. Um, I don't know. There's a scene in the second episode where I, I shot it. It was the it was the last scene that I shot my first full week of shooting, and it was out at the Spade House and just walking around a field and it's a beautiful sunset and just I'd never worked in Georgia. I'd never worked with a Georgia crew, and just just you know I, I'm getting in. I've got like 40 minutes of this scene to do because it was all in a steady cam, and just at the end of it, just being like, this is. I, I don't know. Something about this feels good. This feels really special. I feel really lucky. Yeah. Mm. I hope we get to do more of it, man. Me too. Me too. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, brother. Thank All you, right, dude. Man. I'll see you at the premiere. Hell yeah. All right, Let's bro. do it. Me? me. I know who I am. I'm a dude. I'm a dude. This is another dude. This episode was brought to you in part by TSMA Consulting, the entertainment industry's leading social media firm. If you sign up for any of their management packages at tsmaconsulting.com, make sure to tell them Robbie sent you for an exclusive 15% off the first month. Thank me later.